to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. For come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Valdesworth. And uh, you can kind of tell by our tone that we're not very excited to be doing this episode. Um, last year's non-conference L made us sad. This one made one of us irreconcilably angry and the other one irreconcilably confused. <laughs> We will leave it up to your interpretation who was who. But if you didn't know, K-State ended up losing to University of Missouri 30-27 off of a last-second field goal by Harrison Mevis, which is actually the SEC record for longest field goal ever kicked. Of course, that record has to come against K-State because K-State cannot have luck come its way no matter what happens. Ever. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But, and that's the, kind of the first thing I wanted to say is just, sometimes you get unlucky. Other times, the other team plays the best game of their lives. Other, other times, both happen in the exact same game. And there's not really much that you can do about that. Yeah, we really only had one lucky moment all game, and it was, I think, the very first touchdown Mm -hmm. uh, with the deflection right to Phil. Uh, that, That was kind of our our moment of luck uh, and that was really it and beyond that it was kind of the opposite the rest of the game just seemed like anything that could go wrong would go wrong uh it felt like uh especially in the first half there was tons of pressure uh kind of settled down a little in the second half uh but the pressure rate was still just horrific uh over the course of the game uh there were some horrible 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 key drops from people that should make uh, those uh, catches consistently. Um, That's not even talking about the safeties. Uh, We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, And just generally, just anything that could have gone wrong did go wrong uh, in this game for K-State. And it was, I I think, in in one phrase to... uh, quote from John Rothstein and also change it to another sport. It was the epitome of brutality. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a that's a fair assessment. Um and I think the worst part about it and what made it so brutal is just the missed opportunities. Um they they range from forgivable like a miss by Chris Tennant earlier on in the game, a missed field goal which ended up coming short, which I think was very strange. Very strange. Probably partially blocked, either that or... Because Harrison Mevis had the same problem coming up short earlier in the game. So it could just be like an earlier game thing or they both just hit the ball wrong. Like So it's forgivable stuff like that to less forgivable things, like a delay of game penalty on the like two-yard line when you had a touchdown. Uh, two consecutive big drops by one of the best players on the team. And then another drop in that same drive to extend the game or not extend the game, but extend the drive into where it's basically just an easy kick a field goal, walk off, go home. Um, I think that is what frustrates me more than anything else. Cause Connor, you to sort of speak on me. Um, you know, the first thing that I like doing after any loss in any team that I like, is I just start thinking about it. 
I start saying like, okay, what could we have done better? Like, how do we improve? How do we come back from this? Like, what mistakes were made that can be prevented? And it confuses me to no end whenever you get situations where you you theoretically did everything right except for execute. Because that is a lot of what happened, especially towards the back end of this game. So I guess I just revealed... um, my my reaction to it now you can talk about your immediate reaction to the game afterwards well the first about 10 minutes were pretty much just pure unadulterated anger uh at the team at mizzou for existing uh various other things and then i spent about five or six hours in kind of a a fugue state just kind of being completely numb to any form of like input so i i, I did not feel very much uh, uh bad and in, in a bad way i mean uh so it, it, it was just an absolutely brutal loss uh i mean not only is it to a team that we should have beat uh it's to a fan base that has a reputation um it's um it it was a revenge game for last year um and it hurts because except for a couple of areas i think we were the better team but they were able to take those areas and just exploit them so much that uh, it ended up not even mattering um plus I think their staff essentially admitted to prepping for this game the entire summer. They, they admitted to it. Yeah. So they, Mizzou prepared for this game for an entire summer. We prepped for it, in truth, probably for maybe a couple of weeks at the most. And I imagine we didn't really heavily focus on it until this week. Because, uh, well, Mizzou, I, I think Drinkwitz, we talked about it. We, it. This game was incredibly important for him keeping his job. And he may have bought himself a year uh, with this win. So I guess uh, it's a Pyrrhic victory if you're Mizzou. I've never seen a win somehow set a program back like five years. Yeah, so it's uh, not a happy place to be, I guess. But you can't just say uh, Mizzou didn't deserve it because they did deserve it. They did it. deserve it, and that's the yeah. worst part. Yeah, they executed better than K-State did despite K-State on paper having a good enough game plan and a uh, good enough team to win. Uh, But it came down to a few things. Uh, Execution at various points and various position groups and coaching. Uh, There were definitely some significant coaching issues in this game for K-State. I'm really happy that we don't talk about that. We don't talk about this the day of the game because that would have been an absolute disaster. We also would. We also got back here at what, like seven? Yeah, and we just drove back the same day. Yeah, and did not really feel like talking about it. Nope. So, the Colorado Colorado State game did make us feel better, though. Yeah, that was one of the funnier games that I've seen in a while. <laughs> but it seems like I don't know. I think people. I have a lot of thoughts on that game, and. <laughs> I, I think that people are not really getting the message that they should be getting from that game, yeah. which is that, like, Colorado may be fraudulent. <laughs> and, yeah. Because uh, 
Wow, dude. I, I mean, maybe adjust for drag route. Maybe no. maybe understand that drag no. route's coming. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. What What did we get to? I think twenty completions on drag routes. I think so. Yeah. We started counting. We missed a few. Yeah, like we didn't start counting until the second quarter. I think on that alone, we got up to like fifteen, and we just <laughs> added five. We assumed, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, this game is just awful. It's just a punch in the gut. Uh, you go home knowing that you could have done more, and there's probably some people in particular that are really upset with themselves, whether it be coaches or players. Because uh, there were just enough people not doing their jobs at critical times that made it to where this just wasn't able to happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm not upset with Will Howard. Um, even though he did have a few mistakes and could have theoretically played a better game. And he, a really bad pick. Yeah, his pick was really horrible. I don't care if it was a miscommunication. you got to be able to sight-read that. Yeah, like that, that was a horrible, 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 horrible interception. But he was honestly quite good for majority of the game after being hobbled as well yeah so yeah uh, that's especially interesting is that he was so good while still being injured uh the running backs were pretty good yeah running backs were solid when they were given opportunities but the, the you touched on something that mu was and is not the better team they're just not but that's also why you play the games sometimes it doesn't matter which team is better if it was always the better team there's a lot of times that K-State would just straight up lose, both in the Bill Snyder area, era and now. That's why you play the games. That's why they matter. So you can lose to a worse team. And I don't like this isn't to say that MU is a bad team. I never thought that MU was a bad team. And I don't think you, may, I don't think you thought that either. No, I definitely didn't think that they were uh, a bad team. Um, I just had so much faith in our ability to stop them or slow them down. Uh, And again, it was really just one area that really screwed us over. And I saw an interesting stat, which was that if you compare to last year, uh, our defensive stats in terms of uh, um, points per drive were very similar a lot in terms of what we allowed to compared to last year. Um, a lot of it came down to we just got burnt on explosive plays. And we knew that was an issue with the pass defense coming into this week that they were very prone to giving up explosive plays. Yeah. Uh, Except for this time, it wasn't just tough luck. Yeah. This time there were several occasions of it being just straight up poor play and straight up uh, bad coaching uh, and a few in a few situations, and a few times people just not knowing what they were doing. Which we can get into more at game day grades. But Yeah, which speaking of, we can just kick right into that. As always, game day grades, we go through every single position group, including coordinators, giving them a grade from F, meaning they near single-handedly lost us the game. There is an F, there is an F this week. And A, meaning they near single-handedly won us the game. Well, we didn't win. So, tells you, probably not any A's. But... We can start with the man under center, Will Howard. I agree with you. I think that he generally was like pretty good, except for that one interception. But the problem is that the interception was really costly. In a game like this, where it comes down to like one possession, you can't afford to have bad plays like that. 
And there were still times that I think he was leaving a few throws out on the field. Um, and there's also a few more times that you and I talked about this while we were at the game. A, a big problem with this, with Will, at least in the early game this year, or, or the early games this year, is he's making the right read but making the wrong throw. Which, there's not really much that you can say to that other than like, well, you did everything right in terms of processing. You just didn't quite make the right throw for it. But really, I ended up giving Will a B plus. The The pick was really, really costly to him. Also, shout out Avery for uh, coming in and still looking bored while he was running the football. <laughs> yeah. Um, I gave the quarterback room a B. Um Again, the pick was horrible from Will, and there were a couple a couple throws that he just has to have back. Uh, there were also several times that he was let down uh, yeah. by people around him, uh, but he still honestly played, I think, a better game than what it felt like in the moment. Yeah. Um, but I gave him a B. Uh, I, I won't linger on it too much. Yeah. Running backs had a weirdly all right day for how underutilized it felt they were. Running backs only ended up getting uh, 19 carries, and uh, it was split between Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens, 54 and 36. Treshawn had the opportunity, and he did come up big with in a in a few opportunities that he had, but the production isn't there for me to say anything other than like you know a B minus. Like, they, they were good with the opportunities they were given. The problem is that they just didn't get many opportunities. And the Ward drop really hurts. Because <laughs> like, I know Ward ended up catching 5 for 61. But the drop really, really hurts and sucks a lot. Yeah, I give the running backs a B. Um, Ward did have that really, really, really costly drop. Um, he still had one catch that was... A really great he had that like 30 yarder mm-hmm. uh that was uh so key um he had a couple of uh, really impressive runs as well dj was fine on the ground uh, and he had a couple of catches as well and one of them was good two of them weren't uh they were solid they were making the most uh with what they had in front of them at times because sometimes the running lanes were there other times they were not and they were doing i think in most cases the best that they could uh, but I was pretty pleased with how Treshawn looked for the most part, with the exception of that big drop. And I thought DJ still trying to figure it out, I think, uh, in terms of finding the right gaps, although there's only so much he can do at times. Yeah. Uh, so I gave him a B. Yep. Wide receivers. Um, disappointing. Uh, that's how I would describe it. It's not the most disappointing room. It's close, though. I don't think they played horribly it's just that they didn't like do anything really (laughs) they just didn't do all that much um rj had two for nine two for 18 phil five for 50 j jack four for 47 the big disappointment here is keegan johnson bro got locked up like he was put in a box and it didn't matter which corner was covering him he was put in a box and he was not getting out of it which you have to hope is just him recovering from injury still. 
I know that Cad and Ennis Rakestraw are still both really good corners. They're not the best corners we're going to see all year. So you got to hope that this was just an off game. I ended up giving the receivers uh, a C plus because they did just enough to be slightly above average, but nothing more to distinguish themselves. Yeah, I gave them a C plus too. Um, I flirted with giving them a B minus. Uh, just because there were a few instances, uh, like like Jaden Jackson almost had a touchdown reception that ended up not counting because of a, a penalty. And Stupid penalty didn't affect the play. Yeah, so there's multiple occasions where they did make a good play, but just did not actually count. So uh, there there were a few times I thought I'd give them a B minus, but I ended up deciding just. Sometimes I'll, I'll give benefit of the doubt, but this time I decided I'm, I'm not really feeling generous with the <laughs> loss. So I, I just decided to go with the body of work that ultimately counted. And so they got a C-plus for that. Uh, Phil had the lone touchdown reception in the group, and again, that was a lucky touchdown reception. Uh, Jaden Jackson, I thought, was solid. Uh, he continues to be a pleasant surprise this year. He's got 162 yards and two touchdowns and should be three touchdowns with a few more yards, but unfortunately not. He's just steady. Yeah, uh, he's been very steady. I have liked Jaden Jackson uh, so far this year. He's got 10 catches already. Uh, Phil, he's got a ton of catches, uh, 18, I think. Yeah, he's got 18 catches so far, Damn. Phil does, which is pretty fantastic. RJ has been quiet the last two games since his big game against Simo. Uh, so hoping for a return to form for him. And yeah, Keegan uh, was hoping for more from him. Some of the reasons we didn't go to him seemed to be schematic. And I also think. he was getting held a little bit. But... And he, he was getting held pretty bad. Uh, he, If you watched him during the plays at the game or on the broadcast... More often than not, he was just straight up being held in the defensive backfield, and they were just banking on the refs not seeing it. And they didn't. And they did not see it because we weren't throwing at him. So that it's catch twenty two there. Yeah. So it uh, uh, didn't work in our favor there. Need to see more from Keegan though. I, I get that he's being held, but he needs to be a true number one. He's got to find a way past that. Uh, so pretty disappointing day for the receivers, despite still not playing a bad game. Uh, so and also the um, if you listen to PFF, Keegan Johnson was incredible at run blocking uh, in this game. So Bill Snyder's favorite player. Yeah. So C plus for the receivers. Yeah. Tight ends, fullbacks. Uh, this one was actually probably the hardest grade. Oh no, it was the second hardest grade I gave out because on one hand you had a few really incredible plays from Ben Sinnott. On the other hand, he almost single-handedly choked the game <laughs> at the very end. Yep. And Will Swanson's a non-factor. Um, yeah. He was targeted once and had two holding penalties. I get the, especially the second one, I thought was like... It was BS. Yeah, like technically it was holding, but it didn't really affect the play at all and was a little ticky-tacky. That annoyed me. Uh, I don't think it mattered because I think we scored anyways. We did. Uh, but it still annoyed me. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry not to step on your... You're, no, you're good. You're fine. This is a podcast between friends. We do that sometimes. You know what? You're right. We, we are friends. <laughs> Friendship wins again. But to me, it, the, the end really sours it. 
I ended up giving them a B minus, largely because of the end. And I feel almost bad because Ben Sennett had two touchdowns, but he also had two of the most critical drops of the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what'd you say your grade was? B minus. B minus. I was harsher than you were. Uh, I gave them a C. And uh, I don't blame you. Uh, it was uh, similar reasons. Ben had that incredible catch with the kind of hurdle uh, <laughs> accounts, I guess. Uh, but yeah, he had two touchdowns. Uh, we saw him get involved more, which was really good. Um, but he still wasn't the best in run blocking. I get he's a tight end, but uh, I'd like to see him perform a little better there. Um, and then, yeah, especially that drop near the end of the game, that was just backbreaking. Uh, horrible, 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 horrible drop uh, by Ben Say. He's supposed to. The I know. It... And it was a perfect throw from Will. It was a tough throw and a tough catch, but it's, we've, it's one we've seen Ben make. We've seen Ben make more difficult catches than that uh, routinely. Uh, so brace. He needs it back. He kind of does, honestly. But <laughs> it's he, his Gronk powers. Uh, he's. Um, yeah, that was that was tough, honestly, to to watch from Ben at times. Uh, really costed us the game in some ways, but still two touchdown receptions and uh, another really great reception as well. Uh, yeah, I, I can't give them better than a C, despite them in some ways playing pretty well. Uh, but it was just such a wild variance in quality that I can't give better than a C. Yeah. Offensive line, not as bad as I thought they'd be. Still not good. <laughs> C minus. <laughs> yeah, I gave them a C plus. Uh, first half was pretty bad uh, in pass protection. It's the same guy every week. Yep, and uh, he kind of, he was unnoticeable for most of the second half, which is an improvement. Uh, yeah, but still, I don't I don't get the insistence with uh, Willis instead of BB over left guard, unless we're, for some reason, unconfident in uh, like Lane Gang. Uh, Taylor Poitiers, he gave up a really bad sack, uh, specifically. Um, it was pretty obvious, unfortunately. I hate to call him out, because uh, I know how hard he's worked to come back from injury. Yeah. Um, so I'm not mad at him. Uh, I'd like to it preface. happens sometimes. I'm, yeah, I'm not mad at, at, at Taylor because he's not consistently doing this. You are mad at another player. Though. Yes, I am. But uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But um, that, it was a pretty bad miss on a blitz, I think, or maybe a stunt. Uh, and BB was still good. He, I think he might have given up a sack at he one did. point. Yeah, he gave up a sack, which I think that's the first one he's ever given up. Uh, it's the first one since 2020. Yeah, so uh, not great. Then KT was honestly like pretty good. Yeah, it, in this game, it is worth noting that the entire offensive line gave up pressure on forty percent of dropbacks. Yeah, pretty, 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 pretty bad. Um, I I think we talked about this off the podcast, but so much of it is chemistry, and that I think does play into it as well as Missouri just genuinely having a really athletic and good uh, front six. Front six, seven. Yeah, they blitz on the down. Yeah, they blitzed a ton. They're super athletic. Fifty-two percent of the time they were blitzing. Yeah, and it's tough to constantly deal with that the entire game. I get it, uh, but that is also their job. 
so I give them a C plus. Uh, better in some respects than they were against Troy, especially given the quality of opponent that they were facing. Um, Carver, I think, objectively had a better game. Uh, I, I'm not saying he had a good game, but I think it was somehow better. Uh, he played, I think, the entire second half. Uh, I think we're really going to be happy when Duffy's back still. Um, yeah. But... So C plus for the offensive line. Yep. Now we can move on to the defensive side of the ball, and arguably the no, I don't even think it's arguable. The defensive line actually had a pretty good day. Like all things considered, the defensive line didn't have a horrible day. Like you're able to hold, um, you're able to hold MU to under seventy five yards rushing in terms of net. And they were getting like decent enough pressure when the ball wasn't out and three nanoseconds we'll get there but i honestly was really happy with how the defensive line played the only thing i would have liked is maybe a little bit more in terms of like pocket pushing maybe a few more sacks in terms of production so some of that isn't really on them i ended up giving them a b plus i think they were by far the best room on the day we had a very similar uh grade i say similar it was the exact same grade and reasoning for that grade um, B plus for the defensive line for me as well. Um, I I liked what they brought to the table. Javon Banks got a sack, uh, which was uh, good to see. Um, and we were getting pressure at times, but like you said, there especially later in the game, we were kind of getting stonewalled a lot at various points, which was kind of getting frustrating. Um, run defense uh, though was genuinely still pretty good. Uh, we only gave up 74 rushing yards uh, on a team that prides themselves on being a uh, run first yeah, team. run first team. And again, uh, of those 74 yards, 36 came on a single carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the run defense continues to be really good. Uh, not super worried about that. We'll get to what is worrying, but the defensive line, all things considered, did have a good day. Uh, so they get a B plus. Yep. Linebackers, they had a fine day. Um, I gave him a B. Coverage was lacking. I disagree with PFF's grade about Austin Moore. So much so to the effect that I think they straight up graded the wrong player. Because uh, they had him listed at Mike Linebacker. And uh, fun fact of the day, Austin Moore is not the middle linebacker. Um, but they had a fine day. I gave him a B. Yeah, I gave them a B-. minus. Uh, similar reasons. They could have played better. They weren't egregiously awful. Uh, the coverage was okay at times, not okay at others. And there were some times it just got unlucky. Like I'm thinking pretty early. I think on the first drive, maybe. Uh, Brady Cook really uh, laid a throw in that just got past Daniel Green's hands. Uh, Which is tough. Yeah. Yeah, that, which, that happens uh, quite often, honestly. Quarterbacks have been getting more and more accurate. Um, I think we saw a lot of that with Colorado State's quarterback and Shitter Sanders. Because <laughs> uh, Colorado State's quarterback, I don't know how he was just constantly fitting uh, the passes into the, those windows. Lack of fear. Yeah, and then Shitter Sanders, same thing with him. Uh, and plenty of other quarterbacks, honestly. Um, but it was, uh, I mean, even Brady Cook is doing it at this point, which is like all offense to him. But he's. <laughs> Not an elite passer. No, he's a serviceable power five starting quarterback. Yeah, but B minus B- for linebackers. I, I think that they held their own. 
uh, but it wasn't their best day. I split this room for what it's worth. <laughs> I, I didn't even get a chance to do the segue. You say what you need to say, man. I split the defensive backs into corners and safeties. I thought the corners individually may have been the best room of the day. I thought Jacob Parrish and Will Lee were absolutely fantastic. I They were getting in and making really great uh, pass breakups at times. Uh, Will Lee had a huge one on the goal line. A really uh, good celebration, too. That he did. I, I, I think these corners are fantastic. I absolutely love the cornerback room on this team. Uh, Jacob Parrish had a pass breakup as well. There's a lot to like uh, about this cornerback room. They tackled pretty well. Keenan Garber got was in the right position twice. Yeah, yeah. Keenan Garber. He's just so unlucky. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he's going to get... Uh, I think he... I haven't seen people complaining about him for giving up that last catch that got Mizzou into field goal range. But he was in perfect position. And just... Got unlucky. That, that's that's what you said. It, you put it well. It, every single time Keenan Garber in particular has given up a catch, he's just been really unlucky. Yeah, like same thing with getting mossed against Troy. You know, Keenan is about this close, and this close means about an inch. Uh, so yeah, he he's been very very close to being a much better cornerback, and it's just getting his hands in the right spot. That's it. He's kind of in a similar spot to Julius Brents uh, in 2021 in that regard. Uh, but he just needs to finish the rep. But anywho, corners, A-, minus. I thought they were really good. <laughs> I also graded the safeties. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating when I say I think with the exception of the Texas game, when we were literally playing linebackers at safety... This is the worst game that I've seen from the safeties since maybe the climbing era started. Yeah. Utterly horrific day from the safeties. They, I don't give out Fs often. They get an F. I'd give out an argument for an F minus. I was about to say that. (laughs) Um, The only reason I didn't is because I felt like VJ Payne was solid. He had a, he had a really nice pass breakup with Luther Burden and was okay in run support. VJ, I'm giving a slight pass for this grade. Um, the other two cor- uh, safeties, I mean, were not just bad, but were, I think, the almost sole reason that we lost this game. And it was rough. It was really, really rough. Uh, Marquis Siegel is probably going to get a lot of flack for this game. He had one good play, and that was when he blew up a screen, which was admittedly a very good play. He had a very similar one against Troy early in the game. We know something that Sewell can do really well, and that is blow up a screen. That about ends it for good plays for Marquis Siegel. He gave up the first explosive touchdown to Luther Burden by just forgetting his coverage assignment, I think. He... Just stopped running. With he Burden. thought he thought his coverage assignment was Parrish's, which is why you can see if you looked at the the broadcast or the highlight angle, you can kind of see Parrish look at Siegel and then Siegel look at Parrish, and because Parrish is sitting, like he's sitting in a deep third, 
but that's not his deep third that he's supposed to be in. Siegel was kind of playing that. Actually, it may have been quarters. Um, it may have been quarters. Could have been thirds. Either way, that's Siegel's guy in that location. Yeah, and he gave up multiple other explosive plays throughout the day. He gave up a huge one uh, in the third or fourth quarter. Uh, I think he's two inches yeah. away from giving up another one. Yeah, he had an absolutely abysmal day. It doesn't get much worse, I think, than what we saw from Marquis Siegel. I again, I, I don't love calling out players individually, but sometimes it's really obvious. Yeah, and Siegel did not have a very good day, and I think he knows that. Uh. <laughs> Kobe Savage also, unfortunately, did not have a very good day. Yeah, because we love Kobe Savage. He is a fantastic safety. Uh, but he... He's been slow. Yeah, he he got he kind of got exposed uh, against Mizzou. I, mean, I think he may not be 100% back from his injury like we thought he was. Because uh, there were a few times where he just got beat with speed. And there were a few times where his assignment was incorrect. Yeah, which that was his number one thing last year was he was the great communicator. He was ma- he was the guy making sure all of the defensive backs were in their properly assigned places. And this game, there were multiple blown coverage assignments. And one of those, verifiably, was his coverage assignment. That's the really upsetting pass to the, the tight end who just got the ball lobbed to him for like a 20-yard gain. And like just in general... How the safeties dealt with switch releases, they kept the easier sideline throw wide open instead of trying to force Brady Cook to throw over the middle. Again, apologies for interrupting you, but I just had to get it out of the way. No, it is okay. Yeah. In general, the safety room, I think, was very clearly the reason that we lost this game. And some of that is coaching. Uh, the it concerns me when we have that many communication issues with our starters. One is on a player. Several is on coaching. Yeah. Um. But they still need to go out there and make plays. And Siegel didn't do that. Yeah. Kobe didn't do that most of the time. They both had some solid plays and run support individually. They both made plays at some times. But the safety room in general was the reason that we lost. So that's why they get an F. Yeah. I, I didn't separate them, but the safeties were bad enough to drag the room down for an F to me. I am not exaggerating when I say that if the defensive back room had anything above a like a catastrophe at their game like in during this game, K State probably wins by fifteen. Like, if they have anything other than one of the worst defensive back performances we've seen in a very long time, K-State probably easily wins this game. But they didn't. Um, corners were fine. Um, Parrish, is, he's still learning, you can tell, a little bit with his zone depth. Um, Will Lee is still as advertised. VJ was good, not great. Just good lord. Every, and like I said, I don't want to dogpile on him because, you know, there's always the opportunity that, you know, he just had one bad game. But Siegel, 
near single-handedly cost us any leverage we had on defense. And it got to the point where every time you and I saw Siegel anywhere other than like 10 to 15 yards off the line of scrimmage, we immediately began panicking. And that's not good. So I... The corners kind of get dragged along with the safeties here, but they were... The safeties were bad enough to where the entire room gets an F. I can't really argue with that. I mean, it, it does suck for Jacob Parrish and Will Lee that they kind of get lumped in because uh, they did have good games individually. Uh, but, yeah, the safety room was Tough. just... It was one... Of, I think It may have been the... I think it was one of the worst, if not the worst, performances we've seen from one particular room since we've started the show yeah it would have to be close with like the receivers against oklahoma state and And then adrian tulane yeah and then adrian tulane it it is not in good company no uh so that is really 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 unfortunate but inclined tulane yeah inclined tulane yeah you're right a lot of parallels to the tulane game but on the opposite side of the field but speaking of colin klein I saw a lot of angst about Colin Klein on uh, on the Twitterverse. Did I? Here's my two cents on the issue. Uh, he's still either not trusting Will to make run flips, or he's not making them himself. Which, at this point, Connor can confirm. I'm getting beyond frustrated with while watching the games. Um, but. I don't think he had a cataclysmically bad day like people are saying he did. That being said, um, I think what people are doing is confusing the absence of any anything amazing with the presence of being bad. And I think that's a very easy mistake to make. Um, Klein had a below average play calling day. C minus. Like he's not. It, it is completely fair to say that he got outclassed by by Blake Baker. He did, um, and that's nothing against Colin Klein. Blake Baker's a really damn good DC. I don't understand how he's not a head coach. I say this every time. He must have killed someone, and I, I'm just the only one that doesn't know about it. But Colin Klein got outcoached by Blake Baker, but that doesn't mean that he called a horrible game. Yeah, I gave him a C. Um, I was not enthused by his play calling. It definitely at times felt uninspired. Um, but it was not the worst game he's called. Um, no. It was not even close no. to the worst game he's called, in my opinion. God, Tulane. I still give him a C, though, because... Uh, a lot of the issues were execution and that ultimately will fall to him as the coordinator of the offense. So I have to undock him there. Um, he still wasn't awful and there still were a few drives that were really good, but his play calling left a lot to be desired still. So he gets a C. Yeah. We alluded to this earlier. Uh, Kleinerman, this was arguably his worst game as a DC. Um, since he's been named the DC at K-State. 
And there is a convincing argument to give him an F. I think it's a very convincing argument. I'm not quite there yet, but jeez, man. Like, you can't make some of the, the coverage calls that he was making with the context of how the rest of the game was going. You can't keep leaving Marquis Siegel one-on-one with Luther Burden. First off, that's a really that's a really bad idea. I almost had to do something in post there. Um, that's a really bad idea. <laughs> um, you can't you can't play people so close to the line against a team that has proven they want to bomb you deep and have the athletes to do so. Is some of it bad luck? Yeah. That's that's defense. Defensive coordinating is 95% guessing. And sometimes you just get really good at guessing. Other times, you don't. But, dang, man. Like, you can't... You can't consistently make the same mistakes that he was making over and over again. And I also pin a lot of the miscommunication on defense on him because it was so consistent. So I ended up giving him a D-, minus, which hurts me. Because I think that's by far the worst grade I have ever given Joe Klanderman. I gave him an F. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I flirted with the idea of giving him a D minus because the defensive line was good, the corners were good, but what really convinced me to give him an F is that he's the safeties coach. Yep. As well, that was the main thing that pushed me over the edge. And I get we're grading him as a coordinator, um, but he's responsible for the performance of the whole defense, especially the unit that he coaches, and. Those the complete uh, self destruction of the defense and the passing game, specifically the safeties, uh, coupled with again him not adjusting uh, to what Mizzou is uh, giving us most of the time, that forces me to give Klanderman an F. I I don't really feel like spending much time on it, but Siegel getting left on an island as much as he did that is just. Really, really, really frustrating. Like, I, I don't really have much else to say about it. I've, I've, I've said what I need to, I think, about my frustration with the safety room. So I'll leave it there. Yep. Now we can go into MVPs because we still do these even in losses. Uh, for me, simple. Will Howard, Daniel Green. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Will Howard and then I'm going to go uh, Will Lee. Um, just for that huge pass deflection he had. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of tough to pick a defensive one, uh, but I, I guess that's what I'm stuck with. So, Do what you can with what you're given. Now we can talk about the, ta- the, the takeaways from this game. First and foremost, you can be worried about the safeties now. Uh, once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, thrice you've got something going on. Uh, we've had three games where the safeties haven't been great. It's getting concerning now. Yeah. I mean, I think we give we gave them plenty of leeway. This was the same amount of leeway that we gave to Adrian last year. Yeah. And uh, now I, I think it's it's completely fair to be worried about the safety room. Yeah. Um I think VJ has been good. Um, but when sixty six percent of your starting safeties uh are questionable at best, then it's fair to be worried. Yeah. VJ's been a pleasant surprise, so I don't want to dunk on the entire safety room, but 
there needs to be an uptick in play from both Marquis Siegel and Kobe Savage if this team is yeah. going to continue to be successful. The one silver lining there is that safeties have not really been a major issue for us before. Mm-hmm. Um, we That room has figured it out one way or another always. So there may be a reasonable expectation for them to improve. Um, Kobe, we know how... Uh, uh, tenacious he is we know that he's very resilient uh i fully expect him to play better by the end of the year uh that still doesn't change that he has not been playing great right now uh siegel we've had a really good hit rate with transfer safeties and he's been underperforming so far uh, so i guess we'll have to wait and see what he does by the end of the year so i'm I don't want it to be all negative about the safeties. Maybe uh, he hits the reverse Josh Hayes and he gets a slow start but finishes really well. I really hope so. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, I really, really hope so because he's got a long way to go. Um, but it can be done. So we'll we'll see what happens with Siegel. Yeah. Next is despite all the doom and gloom, we nearly put up 30 against probably the best defense we'll see. Which I, you know, no moral victories because moral victories are stupid. But... That's still something to think about, you know? It's it's a reason for hope. It's a reason for a little bit of optimism. Because if you look at the rest of the teams that we are facing this year, there is not a single team on the schedule that is going to even come close to what MU is doing defensively. It's not going to happen. Like, it straight up is not going to happen. The only one who could come close would be Texas, and I have zero faith that Texas is able to do anything schematically close to what Blake Baker is doing. And we almost put up 30 against them. Yeah, I mean, I I, I also agree with that. Mizzou's defense we knew was going to be their strength coming into this game. And despite that, we should have put up much more in terms of points, but it was just execution at a few levels and uh, mistakes at a few levels and then... Uh, at times overly conservative play calling so i think we performed pretty well i know people will point to last year we uh, put up 40 that was also with like five turnovers yeah a ton of turnovers most of them being really bad and we still underperformed with those turnovers uh so i think a lot of that last year was just them having a just disaster class day offensively and putting the defense in really bad spots uh and sure it was also our defense performing and letting our offense do what it will. But it was also raining. Yeah. So they couldn't throw. Yeah, and it was raining this year, but nowhere close to what it was last year. No. So, uh, but still, I'm, I'm, I'm still optimistic about the future of this offense. There's lots of weapons, and even though some guys didn't have their best days, um, they were still able to do some things well. So, uh, we'll, we'll see. Yep. Next is uh, the conference state is still ahead of us. You know, we've we've had one what-the-hell game every single year in the climbing era. 2022 was Tulane. 2021 was Baylor. 2020 was the season. And then 2019 was Navy. We are seemingly due for one of these games every year. And if you're going to pick one, pick a non-con game. I think you can make an argument in the 2019 that it was West Virginia as well. Oh, yeah. 
both of those are but navy i think maybe fits the bill being kind of a non-conference so, so. yeah but if you're gonna pick a time to do that pick a non-con game um but you still have the conference slate ahead of you the only team that has shown that they need to be genuinely feared based off of what they've done consistently is texas all the rest of the team seem to have a high degree of variance or they are bad. What we're saying is that this is one of the most down years for the Big 12 that we've seen in a long time. Yes. The Big 12 across the board has been shockingly bad. Mm-hmm. With the only exception really being Texas. And they still didn't look great against Wyoming. They didn't look great against Rice. Yeah. They were up for Bama, though. Of course they were. Because they, <laughs> they prepped for... I assume they prepped for the game the entire offseason. Plus, Bama's QB situation is... Something we have not seen from them in a decade. Um, OU, sure, they're beating up every, like most of the teams they're playing. but they like they haven't played anybody. Yeah. The best team they played was SMU, and that was kind of a close game. I th- So may- I guess maybe what we're ultimately getting at is not necessarily what I said at the beginning, which is that the Big 12 is bad, but more that everybody might be good now. <laughs> yeah, because the transfer portal's kind of equalized a bit, uh, which has been interesting. So... It's uh, definitely going to be a, a strange year of college football. Yeah. Lastly is more a quote from uh, an old football coach of mine. Uh, don't feel bad for me or don't feel bad for yourself. Feel bad for the next guy. In other words, don't focus on what you've lost. Focus on how you can improve from that loss and make it the next guy's problem. Yeah. I... Uh... I'm hoping that we're able to take this uh, anger and feeling that we really uh, let one go and channel it into our preparation for our next game. Wash your hands of it. Yep. Which being of, the next guy is UCF in primetime. I'd ask if you have any uh, final thoughts, but I'm pretty sure you and I both just want to kind of forget that this game happened. Yeah, I'm done with this one. Yep, I am too. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to follow the show, you can follow us just about anywhere at Aggieville A-Cats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us more personally, I'm at ACEdward00. I'm at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store. Link in our Twitter bio as well as the podcast description. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.